Hello and welcome once again to Talking Pictures Podcast. I'm your host David and joining with me as always, my co-host, secret agent, B. Rogers. Brian, how are you today? Let's dance. <laughs> Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. You excited to talk about the newest, uh, the newest action spy thriller, no, well maybe not thriller, but spy mystery that has hit our screens this week? You're talking about the new trailer that came out the, the other week with Henry Cavill? From, yes, sorry. Uh, from right. celebrated acclaimed Britishman director. Yes, my apologies. I'm jumping way, way too ahead there myself, sorry. So hit us with the, the trailer of the week. Yeah, as I was given a bit of a foresight there, uh, my fifth anticipated movie for 2024, The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, starring Henry Cavill, directed by Guy Ritchie. And this trailer is in total much better than the movie we just saw. No, that, that's that. That sorry, that was in. My, that's just my opinion. I don't want to be yeah. too maliciously, but yeah, I like this trailer more than I like the movie we're discussing for this episode. The trailer looked honestly like a lot of fun. Like Henry Cavill in it looks like he's having a great time, and he looks like he's playing a proper character. Character. Remember that signature iconic social media trend where he reloads his fists like a shotgun yeah. in that Mission Impossible trailer. Well, mm-hmm. here in this trailer, he's going around holding a gun by his waist size and just shooting everything as if, you know, he's stringing a guitar. You know, you know the way you hold a guitar by your waist mm-hmm. and you extend your arms? It looks like he's holding a, his signature machine gun uh, in this trailer and that's just going to be his, his you know, uh, signature move. At least I hope so because he looks class. It's mm. a it's a proper character character movie. It's a World War Two movie about this ragtag ensemble just going full inglorious bastards on a couple of Nazis. Go f- and he's joined by a couple of uh, familiar faces. He's got um, Isaac Gonzalez and Alan Richardson and and Henry Golden and Henry Golding. Okay, and then Alan Richardson we actually spoke about in um, our. Um, one of our um, bonus episodes, the fan casting episode, we picked him for our, our newest Batman. So it's good that we'll have uh, Batman and Superman teaming up again in a Guy Ritchie film. Yep, hundred percent. Definitely <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, so, so before we we go into our um, our review of uh, the new movie Argyle, uh, directed by Matthew Vaughn, I think that it's it's fair to to give a spoiler warning. We don't really give the spoiler warning as much anymore, but a spoiler warning for this movie here because. Um, it's uh, supposedly a, it's a mystery, uh, you know. Bigger the lie, bigger the spy. Um, the the identity of of Agent Argyle is is a secret. So if you're not, if you haven't seen this movie, I recommend that you go and see it first before. Like if you don't want to spoil, if you if you don't really care about spoilers, then obviously stay with us. But there are going to be heavy spoilers for this, um, and I think that I think that it's it's funny because. You, Brian, knew the entire time uh, who, what the plot of this movie was and who was going to be who. Um, and it's interesting because the the first trailer came out. The first trailer came out and it only features footage from the first 25, 30 minutes of the film. Somewhat. There are a couple of shots that take place at the end that's in the trailer. But nothing like of significant value, you know, that would give away any kind of story no, or anything. No, because they wanted no. to keep it a secret. Yeah, well, David, do you do you want to get into the secret? Do you want to get into the f- spoiler, or 
Will we build up to it? What do you want to do? No, no, I think it's, it's you know, the the warning has been issued there now. So if, if you get spoiled, it's your own fault at this point. But um, So the, what's, the, what's the big reveal? The big reveal is that um, the character of Ellie Conway, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, she is, in fact, the real Agent Argyle the entire time. She no! Has, yeah, if you can believe it. I she don't uh, believe got a, a hit. She... Yeah, supposedly got a hit in the head in a skating accident and is suffering from amnesia, as you all do. Uh, and she's been writing these books. Um, and it's actually, they've been predicting the future, but in actual fact, it's been, um, she's been reliving the past through her books. Uh, and we find out that she is Agent R. Kyle, Rachel Kyle, a.k.a. Argyle. I don't believe you. No way. It's funny because you, you knew about this the entire time in the initial um, press release about this movie it reveals the right well david first of all you watched this movie and as soon as she says in the first 10 minutes of the movie when she's reading her book and says you know when i had that skiing accident and just you, you may as well just forget what she said for the rest of that dialogue because all you're taking is ah she's our girl yeah that's the big that's the big twist that's the big secret the greater the spy the bigger the lie but you see mm-hmm. I remember when this movie was announced with its ensemble cast and a synopsis was delivered and it was read out, I'm paraphrasing, but it says a spy who has amnesia starts writing books about spy novels and they start to realise that the novels they write turn out to be real life uh, events. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, cool. Henry Cavill is a, he's playing a Jason Bourne type. He's a spy and he's a mm-hmm. he's a spy novel writer. He's an author and I guess he has amnesia and he's yeah. Wait a minute, because when the trailer was released, it's uh, Bryce Dallas Howard who's the author and Henry Cavill is playing the fictional Argyle, a character within the book that's in the movie. So. Essentially, he's not real. And all the other characters in the books, not real. And I'm thinking, huh, so Bryce Dallas Howard is the spy with amnesia. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, so okay, okay. So instead of Henry Cavill being the uh, main spy leader, I guess that was sort of given to Sam Rockwell. Male lead or second lead character in total because... Okay, cool. It's a bit of. A, I guess you're going for a more grounded, realistic approach because you know you look at Henry Cavill. He's an actor who should play a Bond. He fits that profile completely. He's very suave. He's got big, broad shoulders. He dresses really well. He's very fancy looking. He's the, he is the proper poster child of Bond. Vince Matthew Vaughn, who got him for the movie, said we need an actor who would be cast to play Bond. And get him before he gets to play a Bond. And that's Henry Cavill. Okay, great. But then you're juxtaposing that uh, stereotype to uh, the real world, which would be the likes of Sam Rockwell. You know, when we first introduced him, he's got this long hair, beard, glasses, shabby clothes. He, he's that type of character where he puts baggage atop of uh, Shelvin in a, a public transport and his gut would be sticking out, uh, exposed to um, uh, a poor 
uh, man or woman to have, oh you just sir excuse me because you just like to step back for a second you know that type of thing you know sandal wear and um one of those type of situations, you know, just mm-hmm. something similar to I don't know, uh, Zach Galifianakis from Due Date, you know, and just 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 giving an example of what the, he actually is. But then, no, he's a spy, you know. Okay, cool. But you see, David, I am watching this action scene that takes place in the train, and okay, so this guy, you know, he's supposed to be the real life spy, so and they keep they keep referring to the the concept and ideology and career in that of being a spy oh it's it's you know it's it feels like they're trying to i think it's what they were trying what they were doing here is what they were doing to identify the ideology of superheroes in the glass movie that m night Shyamalan did Mm -hmm. talking about superheroes and uh that whole thing if you remember that movie great but if you don't then uh, that's just one example that's coming to my mind but they keep talking to they keep referring to the life of a spy as if it's mission impossible now think for a second david you think mission impossible and you think the last couple of movies right when i when i see that that's how i perceive the spy genre that's how i like to see as the life of a spy in movies to be depicted because it's grounded it's real it feels raw it does provide entertainment as all movies should but when i think of the idea that matthew vaughn says he wants to reinvent the spy genre well sorry buddy that's what tom cruise is doing and if it's not reinventing the genre he's still doing a better job than what you did here in this movie in my opinion, and I back to the train, which I'm taking my time to get into it, but I just need to elaborate. When I'm thinking about the action sequences and the spy stuff and the spy tasks that they do in the Mission Impossible movies, I'm watching how it's done in the real life um, of Argyle, and it's no different than how it's depicted in the book world of Argyle so in Argyle in the book as we're presented with Henry Cavill and John Cena and Ariana DeBose and Dua Lipa it's a very heightened action reality you can drive this truck over a bunch of building uh, roofs uh, like it's uh, fast X and uh, no hurt or physical damage John Cena can grab Dua Lipa by one hand as she strolls by uh, 100 miles per hour going on a bike and uh, you know what I mean heightened reality high action very ridiculous but that is not juxtaposed to how the uh, spy tasks and action and everything else in the real world mm-hmm. because you're seeing okay Sam Rockwell he's supposed to be like the opposite of Henry Cavill so Henry Cavill's capable. Oh, so it's like three different guys will be shoving up against the wall, but he's holding them off with one arm, and he's just, mm, you know, fixes his nose, or like you know, he could be yawning. He's, he's unfazed, or it, the, the fact that three guys are trying to take him down is just irrelevant to him. He can just, he can just 
smack him with the back of his hand, just like that. A bomb goes off right in front of him, he'll land on a chair or on something comfy. He's a perfect presentation of the classic suave spy, whereas Mm. Sam Rockwell would keep being, you know, Sam Rockwell will land on his feet, but, you know, he'll, like, get a couple of bruises, he'll be clumsy, he'll... uh, Oh, if he's allergic to cash, he'll 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 take a minute to sneeze while he's uh, trying to take out a load of guys, and that whole scene where Bryce Dallas Howard is sitting in the bathroom of the train, and the door keeps opening and closing, and you oh he's he's Sam Rockwell he keeps being ambushed by these two women he's got them in headlocks or you know they're trying they were trying to be funny but I didn't think it was funny I thought it was just stupid and. And another thing I get what you're saying. There, there should have been a very clear distinction between the heightened reality that Henry Cavill and the, the fictionalised Argyle was, and then it should have been a bit more nitty-gritty in the real world. Because it just felt like, in in, in either way, we were in a, a heightened reality. Well, yeah, precisely. Yeah, when the books are presented that way, like like that, that he's the perfect spy. Like what you're saying there, exactly. Like, that he's the perfect spy, he brushes everyone off suave as anything you know james bond type everything works Um, for him in his way no matter how difficult the circumstances unlike sam rockwell like if you punch henry cavill as uh, who play who's playing argyle nothing happens Uh, whereas if you punch sam rockwell he'll get a bloody nose or he'll get a black guy but Mm -hmm. it's still no different in the cinematography, in the editing, in the action, in the acting, yeah. in, the, in everything. That's why I'm mm-hmm. trying to refer the real-life world of Argyle to the Mission Impossible, because to me, that is, the, like you said, the nitty-gritty. So, overall, this movie, in my opinion, is just a cartoon. That's, yeah, that's how and I felt. I, kind of, I felt the same way, and I felt like that from, from the get-go, pretty much, because it, it opens within the the fictionalized world of argyle let's um, dance yeah it, it opens so, with the, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry i just keep saying that because the trailer it just it just stuck with me yeah um so it, it opens with that whole scene and then it is that whole fantastical um fantastical depiction of the the spy world but then once we get into our real world and you get to that train sequence it is very much a very similar kind of world there is no clear distinction between no. it felt like um and I, I don't know like it was clearly on purpose it didn't really work well the the whole bit where she was anytime that uh, sam rockwell was fighting she would kind of switch between her sorry between sam rockwell and henry cavill yeah. That was kind of funny to begin with, but then when it happened so often, and as well as that, they added this like CGI like blink that yeah. she was doing, yeah. and that just like that really annoyed me. I was like, okay, I get it. Like once you've done it two or three times, I know that, I know what it means. I know that Henry Cavill's not actually here, but it could have been done in a lot more of an interesting way of having someone pass by the camera or something like that, just like a fake cutaway or something. Well, I suppose, I suppose Matthew Vaughn is known for that, especially in how he executed that technique in the church scene in the first Kingsman movie with Colin Firth. So, this it doesn't feel like it was directed by the same guy that did Kingsman at all. Like, if he really wanted to reinvent the genre, Kingsman is where he did it. I don't know why he thought that he could reinvent it again. And even at that, I don't know what he presented that would change the genre. Do you know what I mean? Like there was nothing really presented, nothing done in a particular way that was like, whoa, this is 
genre defining or genre bending or anything like that? No, not a thing. Like I said, I referred to Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movies. To me, that's reinvented the genre. Sorry, no, strike that, reverse it. That's Tom Cruise elevating the genre. Mm-hmm. This he's this, setting the bar for it. Yes, uh, this movie does not reach anywhere near near it. And mm-hmm. back to back to the whole idea that when Bryce Dallas Howard, Ellie Conway, she's watching Sam Rockwell. Uh, doing a whole bunch of tomfoolery fighting, uh, being all clumsy about it, you know, still putting himself up by his bootstraps, well, well, having time to make a quick comment, and, uh, yeah, it's okay, she she didn't hurt me that bad, or, oh, you, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. It's it, You can do that for Henry Cavill in the Argyle world, you know, mm-hmm. oh, he just takes out a bad guy and says a, a cool, slick, funny line. Or in between uh, fighting guys in a in a big action scene, you can make a quick comment or a funny remark, or you can wink at the camera. But mm-hmm. not Sam Rockwell's character because that's just the same thing, except he's just supposed to be the clumsy, uh, the clumsier one. And mm-hmm. the, the idea still that she blinks her eyes and oh. It's him, Henry Gavel, as Argyle. But no, she's. Why is she looking at. Why is. Why is them anyway? It's not as if they're supposed to be the yin and yang because they're actually not. And we can get that. No, yeah. We can get into that in a minute. But for me, right? Why is she seeing Henry Cavill um, take out all these guys in his perfect perfectionist way, unfazed? And then she blinks again and. Oh, it's. Uh, yeah, Sam Rockwell. I think it's supposed to be like that. The, the her memories are coming back, that she's remembering. But then it does raise the question, like you were saying, Sam Rockwell isn't Agent Argyle. No, he is John Cena's character, and she is Agent Argyle. So yeah. it makes sense at a later stage when she's like talking to herself in the mirror because she's kind of talking to two sides of herself. But when yeah. she sees Sam Rockwell being him, that then. It, it it just confuses it. Like, I guess, was it there to be a, a false lead for people to think, like, oh, is he the real Agent Argyle? Because that was a whole part of the marketing in that the whole the end of every trailer was like, it's time for you to meet the real Agent Argyle, Do you know? So if that hadn't been in that, is there really a... I think people going into it are set up for waiting for this twist, and so he's leaving breadcrumbs or, you know, false breadcrumbs to see who the real Asian Argyle is. I just don't think that that worked in any sense when he's not... He's supposed to be the John Cena character. First things first. Uh, when she's talking to Argyle in the mirror and then she starts seeing him from that point on in a couple of reflections and he's talking to her as if he's her imaginary friend. But mm. it didn't feel like it was her imaginary friend. It was what her memory is trying to reach out for, to her and convince her, remind her who she is. That and seeing him uh, play the perfect poster boy uh, of the spy when she's blinking back and forth between him and Sam Rockwell. I agree, it didn't work. And even before that, right, at the start of the movie when she's about to write her next book and she's she's going about looking at her uh, 
miniature model of Argyle. What do you say, buddy? Ready for a next chapter? What do you say, buddy? We'll get this book written out. Mm-hmm. That that felt like, well, first it didn't felt like it was just fucking shit <laughs> dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like I maybe if she was talking to the cat, Alfie. Yeah, okay, maybe. But if 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 what I think they should have done is Argyle should have been an imaginary friend to yeah. Ellie from the start. So for example, oh. We're in the real world after seeing the opening sequence with the in-book world. She's reading out the book. She's talking to the audience, giving answers. And, you know, they can foreshadow, uh, what would you do if you actually met, I don't know, Argyle? But then actually she sees him standing in the corner because, I don't know, mm. she's, a bit, she's a bit loony that she actually talks to Argyle. That can, it, based on this movie and what it was, I would have accepted that. Yeah, uh, at least that would have been a little bit more clear that, oh, he's always there, he's always trying to break through or something like that, but it's yeah. only ever since only, it's ever only since Sam Rockwell. It's, yeah, it started. See, yeah, she was talking to, you know, the miniatures uh, as, as if, but they should have had Henry Cavill there with Ellie mm. in the room as she writes the next chapter, not um, in-world book. Because they only started that when Henry Cavill... Sorry, they only started that when Sam Rockwell came aboard. And then, oh, I guess now she can just talk to Argyle as if she always has. Yeah. I didn't like that. And I, like I said, if they had just if they just introduced that at the start, I would have accepted it. And I would have... Okay, at least mm. we had that going for it. I kind of would have then gotten on board with the idea that Ellie, you know, she's on her own. But she's got this imaginary... Um, angel on her left shoulder sort of yeah. giving her confidence you know talking if, like if, that if it had been that um, then it it would have actually yeah you kind of unlocked something in my head there if it had been Argyle and like that he's an imaginary friend and he's giving her little tips to like oh you know put your head down here or like you know mm. lift lift your left hand or something to block something or whatever and it's actually her kind of muscle memory but yeah. it's presented in a way that it's he's giving her tips on what to do, but it's actually herself. Yeah, and then that can be her memories trying to tell her uh, what to do. But yeah, exactly. As opposed to the the scene where he just punches her, and all of a sudden she's unlocked, and she, like like yeah. how you described it, like oh. Neo, who's like, I know kung fu. Like all oh, of a sudden dude, she knows dude, it all. Dude, give me a second to just uh, explain this next issue I have with the movie. I know yeah. I said I would have gotten on board with this movie if they had a done a few extra scenes but I don't think it would have saved my uh, criticism on the fact that okay she's been informed shockingly she's Agent Argyle mm-hmm. a- Agent Kelly was Agent Rachel Kyle Rachel Kyle wow who the fuck mm-hmm. so she's going out you know uh, probably the best acting of the movie in this one scene where she's shitting a Sam Rockwell and he's you know shitting back at her Jesus you know you know Sam yeah. Rockwell he's a he's a he won an Academy Award because he walked across the street drunkenly and threw a kid out the window so just bear in mind he's capable of giving a great performance not here but st- still this scene and you know okay Avra you know I don't like Eddie Conway I miss. Uh, Rachel Kyle so gives her the keys alright she's gonna take the keys oh slow motion he's gonna punch her what's she gonna do she's gonna fucking karate kid oh deflects it stops it 
yeah, you want to dance, just have have a bit of a fight, you know, it's like that uh, ninja dude fighting Neo in the Matrix to see if he's worthy of, of uh, fighting, to see if, if how good is he, so... Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is oh she's she's like been unlocked somehow because mm-hmm. her her instinct instincts of uh, self defense and uh, fighting opponents in hand to hand combat is like coming through like 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 uh, a button has been switched and it's like oh you know and she looks at her hands whoa you know if it was a Marvel movie you put some fucking glowy light on her hands whoa. Mm-hmm. I can fuck shit up now, and that I'm not done, David. Going forward, later in the movie, the ice skating scene. So, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself with the action scene, the action scene where it's a whole bunch of smoke and they're shooting everyone mm-hmm. while they dance. But the ice skate. This is more relevant in the ice skating scene because she asked Sam Rockwell, "Wait a minute, and my father said that I was an ice skater. Is that true? Oh yeah, yeah. You can ice skate." Well, great! I haven't done it in five years, but wow! I'll just go do that, and I'll fucking mm. do ice skating like Margaret Robbie ten times over in Itania, mm-hmm. and but it's on oil. Slap some knives on her boots, and she can just you know pull an argyle by. And when I mean argyle, I mean in book argyle, so she yeah. can just go around with a knife and just kill everyone, and it's just yeah, she can just whoa. Just because I've been told I can ice skate, I can ice skate like a fucking legend. I can fuck shit up. That, if that was in the book, then yes, that's how I would have wanted it to be. Heightened reality. Because that just does not fucking work. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, didn't didn't like that either, David. Yeah. Do you want to jump into some flashbacks before we go any further? Uh, I need a break, yeah. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Laura, play that jingle for us. Thank you, Laura. So, we have some flashbacks for this movie. You're going to notice a theme amongst these flashbacks, Brian. I want to see if you can point it out. So, flashback number one. Something you actually brought up a little bit earlier. So, flashback number one. Matthew Vaughn cast Henry Cavill because he needed someone who was born to play James Bond, which Henry Cavill is, and then nick him before Bond Studio did. Did you know that Cavill was actually a finalist to play Bond in Casino Royale, but was rejected because he was too young. He was 22 at the time. Yeah, I knew he was up for Bond. He was also running up for Superman before Brandon Ralph, and lo and behold, he got to play as Superman afterwards. Mm. And, you know, people are, oh, will Henry Cavill play Bond now? Henry Cavill will never play Bond. No. I think this is the closest he got to playing Bond in the the suave Argyle in the the books, you know, that opening scene. Honestly, it just feels like a character of Bond. A caricature of him, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. The, The... yeah, this will be the closest, and it's not the best. Watch him in the trailer, Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. That's mm-hmm. not Bond either, but that's a fun heightened reality that yeah. I can I can get into. Not Argyle, the screen sc- screen set. Mm-hmm. Uh, flashback number two. This is the fourth spy movie for Henry Cavill. The other three are The Cold Light of Day, The Man from Uncle, and Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, the man of Uncle was a good one. Was that that was Guy Ritchie? Yeah, Guy Ritchie is he's making use of that cavil. He's underutilized. He's underutilized. He needs to be in more stuff. Yeah, yeah. I seen him in Cold Light of Day. That was the first movie I saw of Henry Cavill before he was cast as Superman. 
Mm. And of course, he probably was the best villain in the Mission Impossible franchise. Possibly. I'd argue there with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, but, yes, but he's yes, a close yes. second. He's a close second for me. You know what? I, I might just agree with you. Philip Seymour Hoffman was what he was. But Henry Cavill was the he was the brute. Mm. You know what I mean? He and he had yeah. a signature. He had a signature move as well. He can pull you by one side and throw you over his shoulder. You know that's mm-hmm. his signature move. But enough on the Mission Impossible franchise. And then flash fact number three: Did you know that Henry Cavill is allergic to cats? <laughs> no wonder the cat was CGI. Yeah, um, that cat was painfully CGI in the movie. <laughs> I don't think there was a single scene where I believed the cat was there. But there, there was a, a real life cat. Was there? there are yeah. You sure? the, oh yeah. Wikipedia mm. says so. Well, it doesn't. It it didn't feel at all like there was a cat anywhere on set. Like I couldn't think of a single scene where the maybe when it was sat in the the thing when she was reading the book, writing the book. I don't know, David. The cat looked fucking CGI to me throughout the movie. It looked but CGI, I, but but it, it was there was a real life cat there. Um, yeah. Oh, I I don't know, but you know, I felt like they were using the cat as. Um, What's this? A signature connotation when looking at all like media posters or something like that. In fact, yeah, David, were, the the the, yeah. the very the very first like teaser sizzle I saw of Argyle was not just the main trailer. It was like a thirty second or so or twenty second clip, like a it, like a I don't know. A, it was the scene where Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard on the roof and he throws a cat off the roof, mm-hmm. and 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 you know Bryce Dallas Howard reaction of catching it. So when I saw that, I thought, huh, out of all the ensemble actors you're introducing us first, it's those two. Where is Henry Cavill, the guy who I thought at the time was supposed to be Argyle, the main character? But he is Argyle, but he's not the main character. In fact, mm-hmm. you watch, you look at the poster of this movie, you have Henry Cavill in the middle holding the cat, who he never comes into contact with the entire movie. And to his left or right is Dua Lipa, who's in less than five minutes of the movie, and Sam Jackson, who doesn't have a screen sharing with Henry Cavill or Brian Cranston. And then after them two, you have the two lead characters, Sam Rockwell mm. and Bryce Dallas Howard. Interesting marketing, absolutely. Inter- For a second there, I thought possibly the cat was Agent Argyle. But, um. I, 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 thought, I thought based on the significance of the cat in all the marketing and the imagery, I thought so too. But no, no, not the case. And that, Brian, brings an end to our Henry Cavill fact section of this episode. Laura, play us out of here. Thank you, Laura. Um, so, moving slightly away from the actual kind of plot of the movie and the, the issues we had with that, um, talk about some of the ensemble cast. So, we have the likes of Brian Cranston, Sam Jackson... Catherine O'Hara. John Cena. John Cena. Who else had we? Dua Lipa, um, Sofia Botella, who was in No Marketing. She's Rebel Moon is what she is. Oh, she's Rebel Moon. That's where I've seen her most recently. I was trying, yeah. I was trying to think where, where I've seen her recently. Yeah, she's in Rebel Moon as well. Um, I was, you know, I was thinking, uh, I compare this movie for Matthew Vaughn to Rebel Moon to J- Zack Snyder. And I like Rebel Moon more. That's fair. Absolutely, yeah. That it's uh, an attempt to redefine the genre but in actual fact doesn't do anything different and is actually a slightly worse presentation of the thing that we all liked but at least we're getting part two of rebel moon to get that fulfilling chapter Mm, 
yeah, that's uh, one to look forward to, I say, with uh, high hopes and fingers crossed. Argos perceived to be a trilogy. Interesting. I mean, like, I couldn't see really where you go after it. It seems like it's tied up in a nice little bow. Um ha. Maybe, but, sorry, I say it, nice little bow, maybe 30 seconds before the end of the film. But before we get to that, so talk me through uh, the big three then. We have um, Brian Cranston, Sam Jackson and Catherine O'Hara. How did you find those three? Because I have to say... Uh, Brian Cranston's one of my favourite actors. Uh, Sam Jackson, also a great actor. I feel like Sam Jackson, no matter how bad the movie is, never phones in a performance. He's always there. He's always there to, to act. Do you know? He might be playing very, very wildly different characters, but yeah. he's always giving it something. Do you know? He's never phoned in on a day. Like, for him, that's a day he's filming. Uh, yeah, yeah, fuck, you're right. It could be a day he's filming. Well, I don't know, maybe two days or something like that, because he really is in just a one costume in one location. It's... Walking from the house to the garage. Yep, that's it. And then sitting at the desk. Talking about how the origin of a certain type of grape and how that grape is a metaphor to Ellie Conway's suppressed memories as a secret agent. Mm-hmm. I, I always... that If there's a... As the story beat or the story trope of a character discussing something and that something is a metaphor for what is actually happening to another character or in relation to the plot. If, if there's ever something like that, that really just was like on the nose, that took the biscuit. But mm-hmm. it came from Sam, that came from Sam Jackson, so that's okay. Um, I, I did like Brian Cranston because of what Brian Cranston is capable of doing, but I didn't like how he, you know if we I could probably do a TikTok of just Brian Cranston standing in that one position uh, at the top of the steps in that um, control room while he mm-hmm. shouts angry directions to how his crew and employees are just doing everything wrong and how they're shite and he's just giving out and having a hissy fit. You, I will, do, I could do a TikTok of just all that. Like a montage mm-hmm. of Brian Cranston giving out the fuck. I did not really see the plot twist of Ellie's parents actually not being her parents. I did see it coming a scene or two beforehand that who her father really was because they kept on mentioning who her father was, but we never see them. And then we're trying to set up the scene. No, 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 don't answer the door. It's just your father. Oh, who's going to be Sam Rockwell because she thinks he's going to kill her. Opens the door. Oh, my God, it's the villain of the movie, Brian Cranston. He's wearing normal clothes for some reason, but okay. Oh, is it? Uh, no, it's 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 a vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming. He's, <laughs> he's, guys, he's, Michael Keaton moment. Yeah, he's uh, he's the father because uh, she smiles and says, Dad. And now, I, I thought it was... <laughs> dialogue aside, I thought some of Brian Cranston's movements was funny. Like, uh, soon he's, he's conning his so-called daughter to, oh, do you have that book? And he goes over to the, to the island to grab the book out of the bag and he just shoves the calf off the, off the, mm. off the thing. Like, like <laughs> I, I, I remember you, you sort of chuckled at that. That was kind of funny. I don't contone violence against cats or anything, but, it's just, <laughs> you know. Uh, but he was, he, he was, uh, I like, it was a funny moment. And as soon as he, entered that room I felt like he was channeling Hal from Malcolm in the Middle back again the way he was kind of walking around the room and, he w- and moving and slenched but it was, it was a sloped back and you know walking with his hands moving like this you know like an old mm-hmm. man or something like that yeah he was yeah. channeling his inner Hal but uh, Catherine O'Hara yeah the man from Home Alone that's crazy 
and that's her right that's her yeah no I, oh. I thought initially when i was watching the trailers that she was going to be the agent argyle of it all that she oh. was the um that she was getting the books early and she was committing the crimes before they were published and that's why mm. she was so eager to get her to keep writing but then that was just from the trailers that was just from the marketing and then as yeah. soon as the uh, no no we she, heard about she, the accident she she's a british villain <laughs> Now, I, I did like the how he shot this and how he edited this. Uh, Sam Rockwell bursts in and points the gun at Brian Cranston and he's just pretending a little bit. Oh, oh I have money. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. But then mm-hmm. he, drops the, he drops the facade quite quickly. Enough of this. And then Catherine O'Hara, as, as the mom, you know, arm around Ellie's neck, puts a gun to her face, slow motion. Uh, oh, she, she speaks in a British tone now and the way this slow motion was done with Bryce Dallas Howard looking over at mother staring at her what because she just heard her speak British and then slowly looking down at the gun there's a gun at her face and then her Mm. eyes just opening up and yeah I thought that was funny but uh, funny I thought I didn't like any of the slow-mo no, well, no, well, no, well, no, no. When I say slow mo, I literally only mean that's just that one scene there, mm. which Ellie's reaction, realizing that her mother, so-called mother, has a gun to her face. Yeah, I felt it was overused throughout the movie. No, yeah, oh yeah, oh, no, it, yeah, I agree. But in that one scene, I liked it. In the one scene, it was fine. It was just used. It was used way too often, and it was used to like punctuate these things. But the things that it were punctuating just felt like completely normal things, and that they were not worth the slow-mo like it happened in that scene where she like brought the gun to her and then there was the the scene where he dropped the cat and she reached out for it and i was like okay i could see but like there's nothing big happening in this slow motion shot and then even when brian carter came in and he went to put his hands on her shoulders and you think that maybe he's coming to strangle her but he just puts his hand on the shoulders it's just like yeah, those if you're gonna do it in slow-mo it needed to be more exaggerated to emphasize it I didn't mind it when he dropped the cat off the roof, but all right, come on! Like, what's the point of putting hands over their shoulders? Ugh. All right, but that's actually the least of my issues with it. My main issues I've already echoed. Maybe I can echo a bit more in the use of uh, green screen and uh, CGI, but mm. maybe maybe I shouldn't because those people, those poor folks, are overworked and underpaid and definitely not appreciated. But definitely too much for it, especially for the padding runtime of this movie. Not needed. It's very long. It's very, yeah. very long. Yeah. Two hours and ten minutes? Twenty minutes? Uh, two twenty, I think. Yeah, too too long. I think if it had been cut down to a good, solid hour forty, mm. it would have been a lot more digestible. But it just took so long. And it's not even like there were huge moments. Like, I'd say, what would I cut out? And I would say i don't know what i would cut out but just a bit more of a faster pace i think because it is a spy because it is that you want to get to stuff a bit quicker um but it it was a slog to get through and if you're not on board like someone like yourself like i kind of i accepted it a little bit like at the beginning when the the whole henry cavill argyle like the book we were watching that i was like okay is that this is the world that we're in i can accept this if this is what it's going to be i can accept that um, but then that then bled over into the real world, so it became harder to accept, and it got it got harder and harder the more cartoonish it got because we yeah. were no longer in the book world. Like when it got to the 
the fight sequence with the smoke and the, the them dancing and shooting people, I was like, okay, this is... In what world are these guys... Fair enough, they have the masks on, but in what world are these guys they are fighting not trained and wouldn't have gas masks on them and they're getting away with dancing and shooting them all in the head? And then it's directly followed by the ice skating scene, which is just way over the top cartoonish. It's just beyond cartoonish. That Like, that should be in the book. Even the... Oil, it was oil and it wasn't ice it was mm. oil and it was CGI oil as well and yeah. when, your man, when your man goes to step in the oil oh he slips that, that was fake as fuck mm-hmm. and I yeah my biggest takeaway of this movie it is just it is just a cartoon and not in a good way this is just, yeah. very, it's just it's just very cartoonish it just I didn't I didn't uh, like what a waste what a waste as well. And and I I I, re- I thought maybe it was going to pick up once Sam Rockwell bursted into the room and, oh, you realise the parents are the bad guys who faked it. But even then, that was a stretch. Like, you convince someone who who, who you are and you believe that for five minutes and, oh, I could just, I'm a writer and I'll write all this shit out. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I, even I, the main I, premise, even that main premise is kind of hard to swallow as well. That it's just completely accepted that she is, I suppose in a way it's, it's, sorry, I'm, I'm contradicting myself because I, I figured it out that, so the main premise is that she's going to write the, she's going to write the future and predict where would have gone. And I can understand it's actually because she's writing her memories. Yeah. But at a point it does become like, oh, you're going to write the next chapter and like stuff that we that she's going to predict or what would she do next or anything. So yes. it is kind of a bit of a stretch that she is supposed to be writing stuff that she do, she might not know at all and she's just guessing and they're completely taking it on blind faith and it's just like, oh yeah, no, that's that's where it is and we have to get whatever she's going to write next. Honestly, in summary, this movie was just a whole bunch of uh, style with a complete lack of sub- substance. Yeah, I think that he does this style also a lot better in a lot of other movies, whether it be the Kingsman movies. Uh, Kick-Ass, X-Men 1, uh, yeah. first class. So, yeah, he does. Now, did you like Kingsman 2? The uh, fucking Pedro Pascal one? Not as much as the first one, but I still enjoy a lot of aspects did of you, the Did one. you watch the Kingsman with Ray Fiennes? I did, and I didn't like that as much as the other two either. Right. <laughs> but I still enjoyed aspects of it. This this is just not it for him and mm. it wasn't worth it and I thought please Sam Rockwell be the Pedro Pascal of the Kingsman 2 but he, he just wasn't that like mm. even that scene where they're in the apartment and he thinks Ellie who at first didn't want anything to do with the whole spy thing because she's a fish out of water as she doesn't remember yet but then all of a sudden she's taken further over uh, interest in trying to find a clue mm. and he's just trying to leave so wait a minute you're the spy she's the fish out of water who just wants to run and hide why is she yeah. taking the uh, over enthusiastic interest in trying yeah. to figure out this as if as if she was she was on board with it from the get go I just don't mm. like how Sam Rockwell oh yeah you want to waste time let's take this time hey you want to dance let's dance he, he does a little dance for a few oh, seconds yeah. too long and he steps as part of his dance and he oh uh, he feels a thud because he's not just walked 
a bit taking one step and you heard the thud instead of just making a stupid thing about the dance and then trying mm. to hey crush someone's head it's just like the twist even the slow-mo at the end where she's doing the twist in the in the gold dress to mm. kill him because she's been winter soldiered by some codes and mm. Yeah. Well, two things, right? Two two things about what you said there. So the first one being that they go to this the the room where it's supposed to be. You know, they're finding the the phone or whatever, yeah. and th- they've been in it a minute. And he's like, "Come on, we have to go. We have to check these other ones." And it's like, "Dude, like she's trying to find this. Like, you, like I know you're in a rush, but like you can spend more than a minute in the place." And then her ripping the wallpaper off the walls actually had nothing to do with him finding the thing it's like he could have walked across the room like you said exactly and found the exact same thing it was just a very stupid convoluted thing of i'm gonna rip all the wallpaper off the walls and he's like, okay well in that case then i'm gonna do something stupid like a dance and then he finds it and it's like okay what so what would the wallpaper at all to do it was it was just that was stupid and then second of all the the fight at the end between the two i was thinking about this earlier when we said about what if you know argyle had been the her like imaginary friend the whole time yeah at that moment where he's fighting um if if at that moment where he's fighting uh the two of them sam rockwell and bryce dallas Howard are fighting if when she kind of got that brainwashed moment and she points the gun at him if at that point then it was actually a fight between sam rockwell and henry cavill i would have actually liked that a bit more because it's like a argyle has taken over her completely do you know and she has like all of the i just would have liked to see that a bit more than the fake fighting of uh, uh, sam rockwell and bryce dallas howard it was it, 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 it was very fake wasn't it yeah it's just like it, it's all of a sudden now i'm activated you can't beat me at all and it was just a little bit hard to believe i suppose it might have been a little bit easier to believe if it's if it was a visual representation of him fighting Henry Cavill, it's a little bit more believable of that he can't beat her, but he could barely land a punch on Bryce Dallas Howard. And that just didn't seem believable based on all the fighting he had done before. It was just a bit... Uh, I would have just liked that, that a bit more to have like a, an, unlock, an unlocked version of Argyle and it be Henry Cavill versus Sam Rockwell. Just for that one scene, do you know? But like we always say, you know... If we want to change scenes and rewrite stuff, we should have wrote it from the start. It is hard to write films, so... Thank you for reminding me of that, and uh, listeners, that is definitely something I love to stand by. If I wanted to have changed something in this, I should do it myself from the get-go. Yeah. Look, it's not easy. Look, it's not... Yeah, it's not easy making a movie. Of course it's not, but I paid for it, and I watched it, and this is my opinion, so... Yeah. I think it's, it's a movie that can be a lot of fun, like to be honest, when I when we finished up and I was standing outside, I was waiting. You had went to the bathroom and there was a guy there, and a guy said, uh, he said to his kids, he's like, "What do you think of that?" And they're like, "Yeah, it was good." And he was like, "I love that. I thought that was brilliant." So some guy really really enjoyed it, and I think that it's not difficult for people to enjoy it at all. If you're going in, that kind of opening scene sets the tone. Like, just imagine this for the entire film. Like, go in, don't expect a whole lot. Don't expect a a. a the movie to change your life or anything like that but you can have fun with it you can sit down and enjoy it and have fun but it's not going to be for everyone no i i represent that part of the camp definitely mm-hmm. it's not for everyone um even worse david and i really need to echo this fact i realized that this movie was using the newly released beatles music now and then mm. 
It is classed as the official final song from the Beatles. And, oh, we, we, we listen to it um, play, you know, in the overtune, like, you know, the, the characters can't hear it. But then later, it's, it's played as a song in, like, a ballroom, and Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell are dancing. And he says, oh, this is our song. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. The that Beatles song uh that came out in around November twenty twenty three. Them two have not been together in five years and before five years they were together for however long and as when they were in a relationship they were together. So what's the crack here? Because When is this if, movie set? Yeah. Yes. Well it's it with no reason to expect that it's set in none other than 2022 or 2020 no sorry yeah no it's 2023 that's that's how i take it Mm -hmm. uh but it's been five years and it's been let's say a couple of years before that and they're listening to a song that to a class iconic band that the song was not released yet so i'm thinking you're not fooling anyone here matthew matthew vaughn he's not he's not fooling agent b rogers anyway you're not fucking fooling this Beatles fan (laughs) <laughs> it, this this song this movie did not deserve to have that song in it and it's a nice little so- old fashioned Beatles song but I yeah, definitely didn't deserve that mm. but I did I did like the uh, Boy George uh, Electric Energy song that's a good tune I like that well I'm glad that you were able to take some positive out of it even if it is just one song yeah what do you think of Ariana DeBose Oscar Oscar winning Ariana DeBose um, like she was fine really it was her bigger her biggest contribution to this movie is that electric energy song with Boy George, not the character she plays. Yeah, like I like as soon as they had that whole thing about the email, like and oh, an email from a super fan, I was gonna bring her back. I was like, okay, so this character's coming back. Like it felt like the the subtle foreshadowing throughout the movie in every aspect was actually just like hitting your head over the hammer, like I was going to bring her back. Yes, okay, so expect to see her back at some point in the movie. It just uh there was no no subtlety throughout, so I didn't have much of an opinion on her, to be honest. Like, we saw her, well, pull up in the car and then pull up in the speedboat. Like, she wasn't really much of a character to talk about, you know? It's just funny that because she created this character, uh, yeah, from her conscience, but it's a character in a book, and she sees a picture of the real-life person, and she, wait, is that? Yep. <laughs> If I if I write a story and I think of a character and I see a picture of a person and they might have the same hair colour or skin colour as that character, but they're not going to be because you can't picture a person in your head and it's going to be that person in real life. And not mm. because not because they draw up from, a, from memories because it's just not something I don't think people can do. So mm-hmm. just... They're really extending that line of um, grounded reality. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to put a put a nail in the coffin of Argyle. Do you think we'll get a sequel? Do you think there'll be a, a second and a third? Don't care. Don't care. Yeah, well, no. that that uh, pretty much sums it up. Have you got a recommendation for us before we go? Say uh, goodbye da- to the people. David, I have a class recommendation. I don't know if there you've been you. watching it. I don't know if you've been watching this, but... I have started watching the newly released Amazon Prime show, 
Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Donald Glover and oh the poor girl Maya Erskine Erskine Maya Erskine let's call her I have not seen her in anything else she's been in a few things but of course we all know Donald Glover Childish Gambino mm-hmm. uh, a new take on Mr. and Mrs. Smith eight episodes I have watched three episodes now and it's the, this is a show where every time I'm watching it I have no need to go on my phone to you know as everyone does do i see this as the elevated work that donald glover is capable of doing after his Mm -hmm. days of atlanta i think that these two characters john smith and jane smith work so well together just seeing them talk on screen as they get their mission of the episode and it's not like a very heightened reality uh, unbelievable drawn out mission it's quite simple in a lot of things and it's just nice to see it I am actually not worthy of myself to talk about how great this show is but fuck David you gotta start watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith it's not even Mm. like a it's not even like a remake of the movie with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie it's a reboot Okay. what I I mean by reboot it's almost like you can yeah, it's the same name, but you can just... It's, it's almost completely different. If you saw the movie, it's definitely not a rehash of the movie. It's something different. And good, good. Off. The, yeah, if you haven't started watching it, start watching it. And the biggest shame of it is all episodes were released in the one day. Oh, there's okay. No, there, so there's no... There, I, don't know, I don't know why they didn't have the confidence to build momentum for a course of eight weeks, but Jesus, this... I was thinking to myself, why is Donald Glover considered to be so busy and yet he's barely in anything? Well, mm-hmm. if this if it's because of this high quality, hard to make content, uh, I'm grateful to have it. Okay, good. Yeah, no, it's definitely, Laura and I will probably be looking for something to watch soon anyway, so that'll be top of the list. I'll take the recommendation on board for that. 100% that, 100%. Just to um, stay in, the, sorry, just to stay in the vein of the spy genre. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Uh, I'm not going to stay in the same vein as the spy genre. I'm going to go with a movie I watched during the week, and it was... I've been watching a lot of um, Oscar-nominated stuff just in the kind of build-up to our um, Oscar predictions podcast that we're going to be doing now in the next couple of weeks, so just making sure that I've seen everything in in multiple categories. And in the animation category, uh, I watched a film called Nimona. Uh, and I thought it was very, very good. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. I had no idea what it was about. It's crazy. I was actually, when I um, was looking at it, um, I was like, this is this is on the level of a Disney movie like this. I bet Disney are raging that this isn't one of their movies. Because it has a great message, a great story, um, great animation. Like, everything about it was just like, this is so much better than anything Disney's put out in a long time. And then I found out that it actually is, um, it was a Disney movie. It was under Blue Sky Animation uh, when they acquired Fox. Yeah. And they cut it. Yeah, because this, oh, we don't want, we don't want, we don't want, we don't want two men kissing in this. So they completely just just threw it out, discarded it, rejected it. I don't know if Netflix got it and completed it, but thank you, Netflix. I want a sequel. I've seen it. I've seen the Mona. I have a, I have a list on my letterbox of top five Netflix animated movies. It's on there. It's mm. it's great. Um, I really do want a sequel, or even 
I, I could do a, even a live action uh, take on it, but be, specifically because Nimona just feels like such a lovable character. And mm-hmm. there's so much more I want to know about her as a character. Yeah. So, I, I look forward to talking about it in depth in our um, Oscar podcast. You know, we'll yeah. be able to go into some of the story elements and stuff. But um, if you don't know what it's about, I'd, I'd recommend just watching it. it. It was an interesting time period and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I, I that's my recommendation for the week. Fuck you, Disney. But, uh, <laughs> um, so, Brian, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. Uh, to the listeners, if you've made it this far, thank you very, very much for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to us. Make sure that you are following us on all our social media. We are on Instagram. We are on TikTok. We are on uh, Twitter. We're on Letterboxd now as well. If you want to follow us on there, we post all of the films that we've watched as well as lists containing you know, our topic episodes and stuff like that. Speaking of topics, if you'd like to send us in one, um, make sure to send us an email at talkingpicturespodcast1 at gmail.com. All of our links and stuff will be down in the description below, so you have no excuse not to find us. Uh, if you give us five stars as well, we'd really appreciate that. Costs you nothing, gives us everything. Uh, and you know what? Share it with a friend. If you have a friend who's looking for a podcast, they like films and stuff, why not recommend ours? Simple. Easy. Not a bad Wednesday waffle, David. Brian, thank you. 